What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Forever. Dog. On today's episode of Weekend at Bergman's, Joe's having a baby. Uh-oh. Which means we're watching two absolutely disgusting films about fatherhood. Representing the mainstream, it's Judd Apatird's 20... <laughs> uh, you aren't prepared. I'm sorry. Let's keep this professional. Representing the mainstream, it's Judd Apatow's 2007 smash hit comedy, Knocked Up. And representing the art house, it's David Lynch's 1977 cult classic, Eraserhead. Joe, are you ready? Oh, yeah, baby. Are you sure you're ready? Yeah. Are you, you know what I'm talking about, though. Are you ready? You feel ready? Uh, yeah. For the podcast? No, I'm talking, well, I mean, yeah, the podcast, but. Oh, for the being a baby. Yeah, oh, yeah, for yeah. being a father. Yeah. No, 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 no. Okay. Roll that theme song. Every week you and I watch two movies together Well, not quite together cause we watch them apart You at your house and me at mine Whoa, every week we watch the same two movies Kiss my baby for good luck But how do we choose these two movies? Well, one is a brilliant, beautiful work of cinematic art, the height of the medium, and the other one is mainstream. I'm talking popcorn, baby. Hollywood endings, but what happens when we watch them back to back and have to say which one we like better? And we have we have to to be honest. Yes, to be honest. We have to be honest. We have to be honest. Welcome, welcome to Weekend at Bergman's. We're gonna watch an art house. Yep. Movie and a mainstream movie, yes. and then we're gonna uh, tell you which one we like better, and yes. the one that we like better uh, is gonna go in what we call the canon, yes. and then the one that we did not like as much is gonna go in what we call the trash yes. canon, and we're never allowed to watch that movie again for the rest. Of our lives. Not one minute of it. That's the premise of this podcast. My name is Brett Boehm. Hold, he stepped on my name. My name is Brett Boehm. I'm seated across from my co-host, Joe Cilio. Hey! Who is uh, the man of the hour on this episode. This episode's in honor of you. That's nice And your impending life event. Thank you. You are- Two movies about having a baby. Two movies about having a baby. Both out of wedlock. 
And I just like I just want I want the audience to know I am married by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania under in a Quaker wedding. John Fetterman I, married you. John, John Fetterman, Fetterman was at the wedding. He goes to every single wedding. <laughs> we did it out of sheets. Yeah. And um, Fet- he, by he Fetterman's pokes request, his head in, he pokes in. He goes, yep. "All right, all right, you guys yeah. are good. You guys are good. You're yep. married." And um, but you know, so when I was watching these films, my main takeaway was, does that motherfucker think I had a child out of wedlock? Honestly, though, yes, we are any day. No, now, any all day. Jokes aside, um, I no, Brett, process. This. Not you're not processing this. Oh, Brett, you got you, a, you got your costume on. You're in Bergman's you mode. No, you're about idea. to have a baby. <laughs> Stop saying it, baby. <laughs> I will end the podcast right now. No, I actually know that, and it actually hit me. Yep. Um, well, you know, it's been hitting me in little tiny bips and bobs, but uh, this weekend. Um, yeah, it, it 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 hit in a really really. That's fun. That's fun. Way. That's baby language there. Bips and bobs. You're gonna have to learn. Yep. You gotta learn how to talk, baby. You I know? know. I'm so nervous. I thought for some reason in my head I was like, I'm not doing baby talk before we had okay. saying it. I like that. Yeah, baby talk. I'm just normally. He's an adult. Can me every damn. Well, I speak less. I speak more in baby gibberish than I do in human language now. Well, look, it's fun. It's fun. I've met your beautiful son. I just saw him outside, and he's here. Who can help it? He's who can help it going. Come on, Yeah, it's he's beautiful. So much fun, and yeah, I'm Tim Allen actually having a baby, and it's actually. Um, coming and it could be. I swear to you, folks. Literally, could, be, could happen during this recording. It, well, actually, it could. It could happen during this legally recording. and medically. It could. It also would be fine. Yeah, at this point, you're no, fine. It'd be totally yeah, yeah. fine. So I have a full yeah. term. Baby's full term. So that means, like, if Sarah goes into labor, we could have the baby right now, and there wouldn't, you know, barring the unforeseen, be be an issue, right? It's fully developed or whatever. Of course, we'd like it to hang out for a little bit more to go full full bore there, but you know, whatever at this point. And tomorrow, I might I'm going to the doctor, yeah. And you know, TBD, blah blah blah. I don't want to get into too many, you know, specifics here, but you know, long story short, that baby can just come at any old anytime, time. anytime. So it could be tomorrow. Uh, it could be in two weeks. You know, it could be in. I guess three weeks technically. I'm not. Uh, yeah, it could be in three weeks. So, but it's coming, Brett. And these movies put me on blast. Do you know about the uh, maternity salad? The maternity salad at uh, Co- Coyote uh, Pizza Cafe, right here in the valley, I believe. No, you know about this. Uh, Hillary Duff swears by it. So it she must says be good. Uh, one of her kids came courtesy of the maternity salad. There's a salad at uh, at uh, Coyote. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Pizza Cafe called the maternity salad. And it's supposed to induce labor. All right, well, don't fucking eat that. And then if if it does induce labor, you get to go back and put your picture on the wall. Shut with your the baby. fuck up. Are you God, kidding? I swear to God. Yeah, the maternity well, salad. That's adorable slash threatening. That's great. I'll tell I'll tell the good folks at home what happened here with 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 said baby. Yeah. My wife and I looked at each other and we said, you know, it could, you know, we could be trying and we could take up to a year. You know, and then we were like in our heads, like perfect. That means that we won't have a baby for a year, and uh, so now we're having the baby tomorrow, or yeah. you know, in the week or whatever, which is a blessing and it's a thrill, and I'm thrilled. But like Brett, to your point, uh, you were two minutes ago. I'm actually having an actual it's baby it's, it's who's actually going to come happening. to my house, like literally tomorrow or the week or two, yeah, and then he will be. Here, alive, alive, yeah, for forever until and yes. long past me, God willing, yeah. And then yeah, he'll yeah. just he'll always be, and that's amazing, and I'm so excited. But like, holy hell! And I'm like, you know, I did all the because there's no. Uh, I see what you, you're you, saying. You there's no prepared. like, you can't be yes, prepared. you can't be prepared. And there's no, 
you know, most things in life, uh, you can just you, you got a summer so you vacation an email coming and it can up, be done. or you got this. You know, <laughs> yeah. that when he comes, he's alive. That is your no, life. I, 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 that is I, your life. I've, I've, I want. And in this economy, more. that's your life for probably twenty five to twenty seven <laughs> years. <laughs> Because oh. this, this economy ain't getting any better. It ain't getting any better, folks. We have a strict 18 and you're out policy. Uh, uh, speaking of my uh, babies, my baby that I have here, not Sandy, uh, my prop baby is uh, just is beginning to stink to high heavens. <laughs> <laughs> but you can thing. always see him on Plus. You can always see him on Plus. So If you're on Plus. We uh, dress yeah. up on Plus. As you know, we dress up as the characters. Uh, yeah. I dress up as some somebody or something from the Art House movie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Joe, who has uh, notably raised his game in the past two weeks after being shamed, publicly shamed by Julie Klausner on this podcast for only wearing suits, uh, has really, <laughs> Fine, really picked fair. up his game. Fine. You got uh, really high marks for your Large Marge costume last week. I really from, appreciate from that. From the internet. I love um, Large Marge. This week, who are you this week? This week I am Catherine Heigl uh, in Knocked Up when she's giving birth. And to all the Knocked Up heads out there, you might be saying, but Catherine Heigl wore blue scrubs in Knocked Up, to which I say. Nobody's saying that. The only size they had at the store was uh, that fit me was the red. Sorry. I mean, I think people would be more fixated on the the inaccuracy of the of the sort of bob hairdo you got going on here. I think you look that, like here, Nat, here, Natalie Portman here, closer. That's correct. But here's what I'd say is that Catherine Heigl could rock this cut. <laughs> so it's just theoretic. So you, you why not make the same argument about the scrubs though? <laughs> she could rock this fucking okay, scrubs great. You're too. Good, no, you're good. You're good. This is like this is this is an alt look imagination, for Catherine imagination, creative freedom. I like what Joe's up. doing right now. I Thank support you very it. Much. And uh, I appreciate that, but the but the baby. So it, it's it's so folks. If you go on Forever Dog Plus, yes, it's only I five dollars a month. You can what? watch. That can't be right. Five dollars a month. I swear to God, it's only five dollars <sighs> a, a month. Must have been a bookkeeping error. No, friends, it's what we want to do, and we thank you for supporting our network. It's five dollars Forever Dog Plus. Explains why, yes. I got, why I got creditors knocking down my door every every other day of the week. Well, I don't know what explains that, but we have um, you know you have well, weekend at Bergman's videos. You got your double thread videos. Our loss is your gain. You got your Ask Julie podcast with Julie Klausner. So good. Honestly, I mean, you, honestly, my favorite and you have podcast all the of the year. My favorite new podcast of the year. All the Ask podcasts Julie. Are Ad free, it's five dollars, and you get to see Brett's stinky banana baby. Which is so I am I am yeah. dressed up uh, as uh, a racer head, like we like like we said, gummo. Can we just call him a racer head? It makes everything I, so I much easier. I was thinking the same okay, thing. Good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that, so to be clear, the main character in a racer head, we're going to call him a racer head. I don't care if the baby's technically a racer head. That's who you're talking about, right? Or you're saying no? Yes, I'm with Hen- the baby. it's Henry. Henry, Henry. Henry Spencer. He has a full name for no apparent reason. Everybody, everybody else doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the cast, the the, the credits of yes. Eraser is like the Man in the Planet, the Lady mm-hmm. in the Radiator, Henry Spencer, Henry Spencer. So I guess David Lynch really needed him to have a full name. He's the Everyman. You know, he's who the audience relates with. No, I don't know, but um, but he had a baby. I am That's Henry. We, I'm a racer yeah. head. Henry Spencer. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm wearing one of Henry's little ratty blankets that he uses to keep try to keep warm at night, mm-hmm. and then I've got my little baby, my little baby here. Oh, look at he's so sweet. This is barbecue he's sauce so on sweet. our mic. Uh, it is a uh, it is a, uh, a rotten <laughs> banana doused in barbecue sauce and panko. Uh, just to give it a little texture, because yeah. that poor baby gets so sick. He gets so sick, and he gets warts all over him. And he's just got viscous a humidifier. Got <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do if my baby he's just got like slime has spurting vi- out of all of his orifices. Monkey pox. I have to put a little humidifier above him. Oh, that poor little baby in a razor head. Ah, oh, yeah, well, I'm gonna love. Yeah. I'm gonna love him until the day that I stab him with stab his intestines with, with scissors. scissors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what a what a movie a razor head. We'll get to it. Uh, but before that. We mentioned that last week uh, we were we were torn asunder, torn asunder by last week's pairing. Pee Wee 
It's Big Adventure versus Bicycle Thieves. What an impossible yeah. decision. Uh, we both went with Bicycle Thieves. Uh, but we added hard, this, hard choice. Uh, very hard. But we acknowledge hard did. choice. We added this caveat, though. Um, we were having some trouble in this because, again, we watch the films every week with new eyes. We try to be honest about what we're seeing. This viewing with new eyes, we, of course, love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Great movie. I wrote on Twitter this week how I think Simone is the best character in the movie. And I should have said one of the best characters, I think, in film history. I was like, I was, I'm, I'm entranced by Simone. What Like, Simone is cinema. I love like, that for you. The imagination, the 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 dream, like, like the way, have you ever had a dream like that? And they're in the m- mouth of the, of the T-Rex watching the sun come up. Come on. That is just pure fucking cinematic dreamland emotion that Simone brings. And I love every minute of that movie. We were having some trouble, though, coming to terms with the character of Pee-wee, uh, sure. particularly kind of that opening sequence in the house. And it's like, what is going on here? Um, and so we said, our can thing anybody... Was we, our thing was, he's confidently performed. Yes. He is funny. Yes. But he has these weird edges and and, yes. and different, like... Uh, what uh, is it? We were just like, what how is Pee-wee? We, we just want to understand 100%, not yes. 50 or 60%. What's Pee-wee? What's going on and here? And so we asked, and you know, I think we, we, I think we were intentionally sort of going on maybe down a wrong path by saying, like, what's the joke of Pee-wee, this or that? Because there really probably isn't ultimately, like, a joke of Pee-wee. It's something, it is a it is a character that demands to be, like, experienced, an experienced character. But even that, I was Ugh. I was not quite getting a grasp of um, in, uh, in in this rewatch. And so we, we, we sent a call out uh, to, to Bergman listeners, and we said, defend Pee-wee, because I know there's a lot of Pee-wee fans out there, because uh, we have a lot of double threat listeners. The Pee-wee community is strong uh, on this podcast, cool. and I love that. I support that. So I said, please tell us, what's going mm-hmm. on with Pee-wee in your opinion? Uh, and we got, uh, let's see, two responses here back that I want to share. Uh, the first uh, is on Twitter, and it's from Josh Siebert, at Josh Siebert. Hmm. And he says, listening to Weekend Bergman, struggling, listening to Weekend Bergman, struggling, struggling to understand. Yeah, sorry. Listening to Weekend Bergman, struggling. We're we're the ones struggling. Yes, they're struggling. Struggling. No, we're struggling. Oh, I see. We're struggling. Okay. You're saying they're as as in us, but as from an outside observer. Ah, I'm just making a little joke. Listening to Weekend Bergman, struggling. We're struggling to understand the appeal of Pee Wee as a character by itself. What's the joke behind Pee Wee? That's us asking that. Mm-hmm. I think, now it's him, now this is Josh. Mm-hmm. I think Pee Wee works because he isn't a joke, but a celebration. And then Josh says, oh God, this is going to be a thread. <laughs> He's saying that to himself. I like that, I like that. No, I'm, I'm on board. All right, Josh, thank you very much. Oh for... God, this is going to be a thread. Wait, I'm excited. I'm he isn't a joke, but celebration. It's uh, easy to see Pee-wee as just a bundle of ticks and little weirdsies. That's what we were saying, cocaine comedy. However, what draws people to him is his overpowering confidence in himself and his refusal to apologize for who he is. Pee-wee experiences wild swings of joy, anger, and sadness, but rarely doubts himself. He's a celebration of being true to yourself. The people I've talked to who are huge Pee-wee stands have one thing in common. Pee-wee taught them that it is okay to be different from the mainstream, and those differences are what make us human. Plus, it's fun to do his laugh. Okay, all right. I am I'm I'm marinating in that. I'm processing that. But I but I will say thank you so much for sending it. That was really nice and really fun. Thank you very much. Thank Josh. you, Josh. Much Love like that, this, Josh. Uh, much I'm marinating as, on it, Josh. Much as this, bana- this rotten banana is marinating <laughs> <in> barbecue sauce <laughs> and panko. Uh, and panko. Joe's <laughs> marinating on that. I'm marinating. I, on I that. like that a lot. I think I think I agree with the central premise that Pee Wee is not a joke, but a Josh's celebration. I, I think definitely a a. Again, an experience. A he is, 
He's a, a bundle of characteristics. I'm moving away from trying to understand him as some sort of joke or definitely moving away from trying to understand him as, as like satire of any kind. I think there is a real like sort of whatever is happening there. There's a love and enthusiasm for the character that is central to it in the performance of it. Uh, so that's Josh. Now let's hear from our good friend Trixie Mercury, who of course uh, recorded that great version of our theme song, yes. which we have uh, criminally never played since. That um, I, I feel threatened by how good it was, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But Trixie uh, has a has a uh, uh, she recorded a tribute oh. to Pee Wee, a defense of Pee Wee here. Uh, so I'm very excited to hear this. I've not listened to it yet. I'm very excited to see uh, what what Trixie says. I'm excited here. too. Hello, my name is Trixie Mercury, and this is my defense of Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman is one of the greatest movie characters of all time. Ooh, coming up strong. Pee Wee Herman is unique, particular, strange, and a little inexplicable. And that's what's the fun. That's what makes the mm. audiences suspend their disbelief because they're so disarmed and charmed by this whimsical, unique, confident person living their best life. And then everything goes to hell and everybody can relate to that. And he's not your typical protagonist in any way, shape or form. He's like Bugs Bunny. He only changes mm. clothes when he needs to. And otherwise it's always the suit and that's his uniform. And I understand that as a neurodivergent person. And that that's me, me projecting. Uh, mm -hmm. And the fun is that everybody gets to project their own ideas onto Pee Wee. And it's one of the most classic and quotable films of all time. And it's, it's only possible because you have Pee Wee in the lead. Pee Wee is like mm. incredibly relatable because he's grounded emotionally going through an experience that anybody can relate to losing something and then relying on bad people or getting involved in weird, stressful situations left and right. Well, Pee Wee's a unique and charming, confident individual. Unique, charming, confident individuals magnetize good and bad people. And like, you know, Pee Wee to me, because of the context of the- I will stop there for one second. Something that she said really resonated with me there, which is he is the only person, you need a character that is able to like pinball back and forth between everything going on in the movie and get to the end of the movie. And nobody can pinball through all those weird situations quite like Pee Wee. I completely agree with her there, too. That's definitely the part where I completely agree. As far as that movie goes, Pee-wee is – no, I, I he's the glue. Yeah. He bips, he bops, he makes every scene. He kind of – it's kind of interesting because he's such like a forward character. Like so much is going on with that character. But I also feel like he, in his way, takes a step back and lets his other actors in his scene sort of take the lead time that. and time again. I love that. Which is that. kind of like a charming um, thing about – I love uh, that. Pee-wee uh, that I definitely respect, and he definitely made the movie hum and zing, and it is why it's a classic. And if anything, uh, on this viewing, my main, you know, my main uh, response was to the supporting characters and how great they were, from Simone to Large Marge, et right. cetera, et cetera. Um, but in a way, that is just a compliment to Pee-wee's, mm -hmm. you know, letting, because, I mean, that is a very, it's he's not a, a Forrest Gump. He's not a cypher. He's, you know, not, he's, obnoxious he's not He's not or like scene a, stealing. No. And, you know, yeah. he, he's a gracious, he's a gracious Co, uh, but a gracious scene partner for scene someone partner, who is like for a character that is very yep. got a lot going yep. on, but he does manage to like he has those gears, you mm -hmm. know. He'll 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 sort of you know uh, gear down Pee Wee into more of like a yeah responding instead of instead of like initiating. He just the character has more gears than you give it credit for, um, and he finds what gear works for each scene. But it never is not Pee Wee. The confidence that they're mentioning as well. Josh and Trixie both mentioned the confidence of the character is pretty striking. I hadn't thought about that. Um, there's a character that never really doubts himself, um, no matter what situation he's in, is able to make 
friends. Like everybody like yeah. wants to talk to him and interact with him. There's something about him that yeah. people are drawn to. Hmm. This is quite a mystery. I'm excited to hear what else Trixie has to say. Pee-wee's a unique and charming, confident individual. Unique, charming, confident individuals magnetize good and bad people. And like, you know, Pee-wee to me, because of the context of the time, is very much either a DL gay man from the 80s, or potentially they're closet trans, and of course that must have been really stressful in the 80s. And so Pee-wee has a lot of like internalized issues that he's just dealing with in his way. Um, however, they obviously have a bunch of wild resources, and God knows how they got them. On their knees, inheritance, an inventor. I also think that Francis and he have like a history, romantically, and that Francis Ooh, to me reads like as like, like a headcase ex who just won't leave him alone and <laughs> will do anything to try to piss toxic yes, energy yes, all over Pee-wee, and Pee-wee's just not having it. That uh -huh. just goes that goes beyond just the child, like their their children grown up overnight or something. But at the mm. same time, it works when you're four years old because it's just like yeah, friends can be weird or some people suck, and um, it works because it's juvenile and universal. So it's like you have one of the most disarming characters of all time and you're just going to throw this in the trash cannon? What are you trying to prove? <laughs> oh, fair, 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 fair. You know, fair. what am I, I trying don't think to this prove? Is the sacrifice you should be making. All right, well, I hear that. Imagine Sandy. Yeah. You said Sandy really oh really tough to peewee. Oh my god. Appealing to my deepest. You'd be a bad father if you had to wear googly <laughs> eyes and, and put earplugs in your ears or whatever. Why do you have to have a trash cannon? You need oh, steaks. good question. Undermining the good whole question. Okay. How do I turn this off? <laughs> good question. Well, I'm not making that sacrifice, but at the same time if I had to choose, I'd yeah. throw that bicycle thief right in a trash. You know yeah. why? Because life is miserable. And follies happen. And poverty is chaos. Right. I don't need to be reminded that for 90 minutes. Okay. Oh, well, my oh, God. Man. Trixie coming with, Finally. Finally. Just going 100 Finally. miles an Somebody hour. Somebody with, some, with a take. Just like, un, just like destroying the very foundations of the podcast there. Dude, let it burn. Honestly. Let it burn. You're right. What is your actual impressions of, of what uh, Josh and Trixie said? Has that changed your, has that enriched your appreciation for Pee Wee at all? No, no, it didn't enrich my opinion on Pee Wee. I have the same opinion I had before. I don't get it. I love it. It's fun. I I, I respect it. I, I well, maybe that only yeah. proves their point though that it is okay. a every person sees what they want in Pee Pee Wee is a mirror. I love that Fe feeling that from their answers, and that's great. I, I I'm all, I'm on board. And if you love Pee Wee, that's amazing. I, I like Pee Wee very much. I'm just saying, I don't know if I love. I don't know if I just love. Peewee, but that's not a slight to those that do. I think those are compelling cases, and I totally love the arguments. I want to give because I thought about this a lot last week. Because I was okay. a little, I must say, I was a little sort of, um, I don't know, uh, not ashamed per se, but I just felt like we hadn't really. I mean, this is why we kicked it over to the listeners, and they did a great job yes. with this. Is I just felt like we didn't get. I, fe I felt like I had betrayed some, you know, purpose of us. To, like I, I felt like we didn't give Pee. Did. We didn't give Pee Wee his due, and we we weren't capable of, of doing it. And I didn't want to make anything up because we have to be honest, right? That's what I was gonna say. All right, so we had to let it sit. We we were honest with you. We I had know. to let it's it sit. It's hard. It was hard. I know. That because that is the a moment where normally yeah. I would just yeah. uh, I would I would. You know, my I know because we have cultural swim lanes. That we're like some to pretentious jump into. instinct I in know. me would would take over and would like falsify an opinion for you. That's what normally would have happened in that situation for me. But I'm a new person now because of this podcast, so I'm going to be honest with yeah. you. And we just were not 
connecting with Pee Wee last week. I but, thought about it more though. Okay. And I have mm-hmm. a different defense than these two defenses, which is I think to me, the more I watch I think that Pee Wee's Big Adventure is about movies. It's about it's about the act of of watching movies and specifically um uh escapism. Uh it is about fantasy. It is about movies as a a corrective to society, not through like satire or like direct reference, but through just pure imaginative escapism. Yeah. And each scene feels like a chunk from another movie. That's to me why they the whole thing ties together so well is because you feel like Pee Wee is just traveling through different movies. He's traveling. He enters Simone's movie. He enters Large Marge's movie. He enters, um, you know, the kind of uh, meta world of the final act when he goes mm-hmm. onto the movie lot. And we were also kind of discounting that ending as being um, like a sort of Blazing Saddles esque sort of just like. Oh, it's exactly you know, the same. I don't know if it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same, like just sort of st- structurally the way but it plays heart, out. Full of heart. Full of heart. And I think though, I think though. It is unlike and look, I love the ending of Blazing Saddles, but it is intentionally a sort of non sequitur. Nothing. I mean, it's a fuck you. It's a a a fuck you, and this is this is like a this is the opposite of fuck you. This is like the perfect ending. And the Blazing Saddles ending is perfect in the sense that it's a the funniest fuck you ever. Exactly, exactly. In Blazing Saddles, there are little hints. There's little breaking the fourth wall moments, but nothing that would lead you to to expect. Of course, right, the the best. Um, And that's why it's great because it's just pure chaos. it's Marx Brothers, whatever. But this one yes. is this one though. I think the more I thought about it, makes a whole lot of sense that Pee Wee literally yeah. enters, becomes a background character in the movie about his life, mm-hmm. because that's kind of he is a he's like a, he is kind of a it's like an ode to people who love the movies, and so he him becoming like the character in his own movie to me is just a perfect ending to it. And again, I don't know I don't know how much that says about the character itself though. That's kind of just this movie which which has a lot to do with Tim Burton, I think. Um Yeah. But to me that in this movie, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is about what movies can accomplish imaginatively and how that the how those imaginative creations and those fantasies can become correctives to the um to the bicycle thiefness of of life you know yeah. um and so are you wait are you you're not saying that you're are you changing, changing? no no i'm not but, i still but you're, you're just like bi- you, bicycle, you love this movie yeah I, right. yeah bicycle okay. thieves to me is a is is just a absolute masterpiece um and not as not as compartmentalizable as i thought it was going to be that was the big shock to me about bicycle thieves was mm. that it kind of a lot of those moments of sort of wonder and weirdness around the edges yeah, of it that well. is going to end up becoming sort of Fellini and you can listen yep. to last week's yep, episode yep, yep. um that really is what put it pushed it over the edge to me yep. i said man this movie is a fucking just you know top 10 all time i'm um, with you but i'm with you in the love for the peewee's big so here's what i'm su- yeah, i'm gonna suggest mm-hmm. something Talk and to I, me. I i okay I'm, I I'm, open, this, I'm open to hearing this because we have I'm open to hearing this we I, know, inf- I know where you're going we have informally discussed this later i have i do have a a I, I've scheduled the rest of the year out, and there is a week coming up where this is going to have to happen. <gasps> but I would kind of prefer it to happen more organically oh. before we get to that point, okay. which is the Divine Comedy by Dante does not have two parts. It does not just have heaven and hell. No. It also has purgatorio. Oh it has my a god! Central, it has a central stage. Uh-huh. It has a central stage, right? And <laughs> if we are being you know what, what? What do we really want this podcast to exist solely according to a dichotomy? I mean, how old fashioned is that, right? There has to be a middle ground. There has to be something in between the trash cannon and the cannon. No, uh, I do not have a name for this yet. But what I am suggesting uh-huh. is a Purgatorio 
uh, a Berg a Bergman Atorio, or whatever we want to yeah. call it, uh-huh. where. Yeah. On rare, and we can't abuse this privilege. This is what I'm worried about. Go well, ahead. here's what I, th- I think. No, you, I you, think you finish. I won't say a word. I'm I sorry. think we can. I think we should literally create a like, uh, like quarterly. Like only one per quarter can go in the per. You know, th- th- there has to be some sort of okay rule so we don't abuse it. I need a rule. All right. I'd like one per quarter. All right. Quarterly. So okay. So go ahead. Finish your thought. So, so what happens? Yeah. What okay. happens is if there if there is a a pairing like Bicycle Thieves and Pee Wee's Big Adventure that we feel is so close and both films are so deserving of being in the canon. We still have to pick one. We can't do what I did with Nope and 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 Signs. That was a false. That was me. That was like much like you'll hey, find hey, having hey, a kid. There that's, are that's, fa- that's there live. Are, that's live theater, baby. That's false, live television. There are false, right? you know, like sort of there are early attempts at agency that your kid will. That's live They're trying to, your kids are going to try to become independent mm-hmm. a little too soon, mm-hmm. and they're going to push against the boundaries you set, and they're going to make some missteps. To me, Nope and and Signs in the canon was a misstep, and I amended the next the following week. I came in here on my hands and knees and begged for forgiveness and nope went in the canon. What I'm suggesting is a purgatorio movies that are, are not deserving of going in the trash canon, but don't make the canon go into the, into purgatorio. And then within, I'm going to say within the next six months, within the next six months, they had, they have to have a rematch. So they come out of purgatory they are rematched against another movie. I'm, uh, I've, st- I've been thinking about maybe Death of a Cyclist, which is a great al- movie also about bike oh, they things. Get, oh, they get to play. Right. So they come back out of Purgatory within six months. They have a rematch with, with, with uh, another movie. Okay. And then if they lose again, they are in uh, the, bottom, the bottom circle of the trash. They're so <laughs> deep in the trash can and they can never come out. So they get uh-huh. one more shot. They go into Purgatory and then with the next six months... They get one more shot at glory at the cannon. I'm open. And I'm okay. suggesting Listen, we put Pee Wee's Big Adventure in Purgatory. Listen, but like I love it and I'm open to it. I just want I just want to say this for fans and for Brett and for everybody. It's like, but dude, what about like Nosferatu? What about like you know? There, what I'm saying is there's it other did, there's other amazing. That's I, I don't what's think, great about. I don't think Nosferatu is as good as Pee's Big Adventure, but I'm just saying like there, there are go. there are other. What about what about fucking Showgirls? It's a testament to how good Pee Wee's Big Adventure is. Is that it? What like about the all, secret of my success? <laughs> and Vera, those look. Those movies were great. I was conflicted. I was not as oh, like look, existentially I, I, divided yeah. against myself as okay. I was with this pair. I feel you. You know the difference when you feel it. You know the difference. Okay, but okay. How about this? So there's one per quarter. Is that what you're saying? So like one every like twenty ish episodes or whatever. One per quarter. That's fine. But Brett. Okay, so I've been having my own Bergman's like disaster in my brain because I know that one of these episodes someday we're going to do either like a review of what we have or the opportunity to take something from the trash cannon. I I I I committed a sin against God and man and humanity and art earlier in this podcast that I cannot sleep with every night of my life. I think about this, and this weekend I was sitting outside of my house thinking, what he talking about? "How can I get this film back in the canon where it belongs?" Because this film has wrecked me. I adore it. It John. is perfect. Yes. John Dielman. Yes. <laughs> you big diehard. <laughs> I did. And here's here, here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. Diehard's great. I here's understand. what I learned living with that choice for a long time. Yeah. Diehard is amazing. It's the best at what it does. But it's not fucking, it, it's not lodged in my skull. See, this is the problem with It's not like, lodged in my fucking brain. We almost need to like watch them and then make the judgment three weeks later. I, I honestly like... Or, or three months later, because like, 
every waking moment of my life, all I think about is John Del Monte. I think it's one of my favorite. I don't know where top twenty five, top fifty movies ever. Like I like, uh, but you can't ver- you can't verify that no. because you can't watch it again. No, I can't. You haven't snuck a peek, have you? No. How dare you? Okay, just keep my on. So what I'm saying is like I love Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Like here, you know, this is the thing about the podcast though. Like the fans are giving us suggestions. You're putting together great pairings. Like these movies are fucking fire. Like how can Pee Wee's Big Adventure be in something called Purgatorio and Nope be in the canon? Like Pee Wee's Big Adventure is better than Nope. Like once we start playing, no, no, no. Okay, all right, but like you know what I'm saying? We gotta be careful with this. We gotta be careful with this. This one's playing with fire. What about John Dilmon? Okay, we gotta be careful with this. We're gonna go step by step. I am simply. Simply, what about Sean? Look, I don't know that we necessarily. I love Jean Dielman. I don't know. I don't know if we made the wrong decision there. I mean, I I did pick Jean Dielman. I don't want Die Hard to be in the trash can, but I'm open to that if that's what it means to get Jean Dielman. But I'm what I'm saying is that movie deserves to be pu- pulled like Prometheus. I don't know, like Prometheus from hell and put into the canon. Orpheus. Orpheus. Thank you. Uh. <sighs> I don't know. I think I think we need. All right, look. I I'm not trying to throw a wrench in your plan here. I'm just I, I'm tortured by this, and you're tortured by Pee Wee, and like we're tortured. All I ask you, we start. What if they what if they fought each other? There you go. Maybe that's the maybe that's well, you know, maybe there is a trash cannon versus trash cannon battle, and then the winner gets to move into the cannon. That would be very. <laughs> and we have like a guest. Okay, this is great. We have a guest. This is great, and a, and a guest helps us navigate this. And then we have to, I guess, has to watch John Dillman. Okay. Spend I'm excited hours. for the future of yeah. Bergman's. I like that we're going to start to add little caveats here and there, little rules. I'm, open, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying out. to say no to Purgatory. I'm just saying it opens up so many possibilities. I, I want I want Bergman's to be, I love right now, I love the simplicity of it. Yeah. Five years from now, when we're uh-huh. still doing the podcast, I want this to be like fucking D&D, baby. I want there to be like so many <laughs> rules. Okay, fine. And I, so many fine. different variations uh-huh. i want this podcast to be impenetrable to new listeners oh, perfect um, that's what we strive to do here here's what i'm suggesting just start with purgatory let's put peewee in purgatory and then we have six months for to come up with a rematch and listeners tell us and don't stack the deck if you no, look here's the thing try to murder it if yeah, you, you yes. try, try to knock it out try but it has to be thematically if funny i sense and good that you, get, if yeah, i right. sense that you're stacking the deck right. uh, in favor of peewee that might no. purgatorio might 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 go away okay <laughs> everyone's like oh fuck shit they didn't know about but it a minute for ago. now suggest your peewee rematches we're gonna put peewee yeah. in purgatory okay and then within the next six months, we're going to do a Pee Wee rematch. Like, what do I care? Like all, all that that benefits me because that, that's an opportunity I might get to watch the film again. That's right. That's right. All right that's so fine. suggest your. I honestly don't know of another movie besides Bicycle Thieves that could beat Pee Wee's Big Adventure off the top of my head. I could not think no, of one. That's, but the, I that's want not you, your problem. I want you to look. If if I say six months, if I don't, if we don't find a worthy adversary. Pee Wee might just stay in purgatory forever. Okay, mm-hmm. we. I am looking for a worthy, worthy adversary, adversary against thematically Pee-wee. relevant. Yes, and it makes us all and sort it, of. Smile. You don't have to do the bike thing. I said death of a cyclist. You don't have to do the bike. No, thing. no, no, you no. Don't no. Do the bike thing. You can come up with a different. You there's know, so many angles. Other angles. How about like the player? You know, there's like the Hollywood yes. angle. There's lots of different angles, folks. Lots of different angles. We and again, we are treating yeah. Pee Wee as a mainstream movie. Yeah. Uh, so we are looking for an art house competitor, an art house competitor, and I want this art house competitor to be just like fucking good, mean. I like as soon as you suggest it, I want to like. I, throne I want, of blood. I want to like, Fuck. I want to like, have like a feeling in the pit of my yeah. stomach where I'm like, oh no, oh, that's the end of Pee Wee. Right. That's yeah, the end yeah, of Pee. I want to yeah, feel yeah, that yeah, way yeah. because that's the way. That's yeah. the only way he's coming out of purgatory is if if there's a worthy adversary. Oh, I think I got a good one. I think I got a good one. You're not gonna say it. What about House? That's interesting because it's like you know. Yeah. Vibes. Yeah. There's lots of good ones, folks. And House is one of my favorite movies. I didn't know that about you. 
Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, Brett. House? Absolutely. I mean, I love it, but I had no idea. Have you, you've seen? Yes. The best. Oh, my God. Perfect. The best. So funny. You just have a movie that you just have a fucking smile on your face the whole you entire time. You think you know a guy. You think you know a guy. Perfect. Wow. I love it. Okay. Um, Perfect. You're talking about Hugh Laurie's house. Yes. Okay. Great. The entire series. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, knocked up. Let's start with knocked up. Lay it on me. All right. So you know what we're doing here. We got two Birdman's. films about fatherhood. Knocked up versus Eraserhead, and we're gonna say which one we like better. But first, we're gonna talk about them and share our, our feelings, and maybe Joe will sway me. I have my decision pretty locked in. Pretty locked. Oh, in. I'm very open to being swayed. Right uh, now. But maybe but, Joe. But I have, I have I have initial I have some salvos opening salvos. So knocked up came out in 2007. Was yeah, I'd directed say. by Judd Apatow, starring Seth Rogen, Catherine Heigl, Paul Rudd, and Leslie Mann, as well as that whole Apatow crew, baby. Even Siegel. Siegel. Even Siegel. Uh, uh, Jonah Hill. Uh, we got a uh, old friend from a. Uh, she's out of my league. We got a Jay Baruchel in here. We got a Martin Starr in here. Uh, they got a Harold Ramis in we here. We got a Harold Ramis in here. Who else? I mean, you know, it's an Apatow, so there's there's a couple cameos. Everybody's coming. Oh, uh, we we get an Adam Scott. We got get an a, Adam uh, Scott. You know, oh, Ken Jong. We get a Ken Jong. Uh, we get uh, we get uh, oh Craig Robinson. Uh, Craig Robinson. Kristen Wiig. Oh, the best. Who I remember. I don't know the chronology, She's but so funny. this was. I think this was like pre SNL fame. She might have been in SNL already, but this yeah. is the first thing I remember watching. And look, I can't believe I'm gonna start with a positive for this movie because I did not yeah. like it. Spoiler alert. Um. But man, Dude. I remember being getting that moment when she is. She has two scenes that are so short, and everything she does is very subtle. And I remember just going like, oh, "I'm glad you started here." Who's that? Yeah. Who's that? Yeah. Who's that? What is she doing? Yeah. What's? That? I would remember thinking Dude. it was so funny. Yeah. Um. And and the it's one joke. She's passive aggressive is basically yeah. the joke, right? But she is so she's a passive aggressive TV exec. And it could not be a funnier, uh, and to the point now that I don't even know if you can recapture what it, it felt very original at the time. Now I think it's it's there's some you know it's been sort of copied and you've seen the character a little bit more. It felt very original at the time. Kristen Wiig knocks it out of the park uh, in this in this movie. Can I say something? Yes, I'm glad you started there because God damn it, oh, God damn it. No, you're you'll you, no just a fun take about Kristen yeah. Wiig. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Kristen Wiig is the funniest person of her generation period of that entire generation of comedy comedian comedy actors nobody is funnier than Kristen Wiig yeah in Knocked Up she has two little scenes she says like I don't know 10 lines yeah each line laugh out loud funny yeah she is so fun. but that's her in every fucking movie every movie Kristen Wiig is brilliant I have no steals idea steals it without without stealing the scene she steals she steals the scene without dominating the scene every other character can still exist and do their thing very peewee she is very peewee very peewee but yeah but literally no joke like when I think about so folks we're gonna talk about comedy movies right now this is back in 2007 they used to make comedy movies and now you might hear my 
my refrain on this podcast. They don't make comedy movies anymore. And like, they really don't. And where's like the, why didn't Kristen Wiig have like a run of comedy movies a la a Will Ferrell or even a la Melissa McCarthy. Like, coming off a of Bridesmaids. But the highest grossing comedy yeah. ever or whatever. Yeah. Like how did she not have a just like six years and she can make like 12 horrendous movies and like four classics and like be why didn't she get that trajectory? She's infinitely talented. She's so fucking McCarthy funny. McCarthy got it. McCarthy. Uh, yeah. and, and, and folks you know we both love Melissa McCarthy. I said that perhaps she's the greatest actor of this century earlier on this podcast. I'm not this isn't like either or. It's just like if Kristen Wiig was I think a man, it's honestly, like, you know, yes. blah, blah, blah. One of those speeches I could give right now and mean it. Like if Kristen Wiig was a man, she'd have Brooklyn Nine-Nine or she'd have a fucking run of movies or she'd have this I think that. it's Hollywood's weird quota. If you're it, not for, a, for every, for, for, if you're not a straight white man, every other person in Hollywood has, there is a, there is a quota. There is, we can't have, we can have, we can only have one at a time, right? <laughs> we can only have one. So Melissa McCarthy, for whatever reason, kind of right. got there first after the bridesmaids surge. Because and then it was genius. like, no, of course, because, but they both should have, uh, of course, they both yes. should have had those careers. But I, to me, my implicit sense is that is that that old fucking quota uh uh was in play and it was like well we got melissa mccarthy yeah. so check that box or it's like what what the, the the work that Kristen wig could have done and look maybe and we'll do yes and she's we'll a genius do. and barbara star much. was fucking like the funniest movie of the past five years and unless i'm forgetting something but i, I don't think so I funny am. so, so funny, funny. So funny and so good. Sorry, I just wanted to start this off by doing a little Kristen Wiig rant. This is not what we're talking about knocked up, but since she was a highlight and she did crack me up. Now, you are you have repeated a refrain that you repeat a lot on this podcast. Yes, they don't make comedies anymore. Isn't that something? Uh, I have blamed that. Um, I have blamed that on uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of their sort of pretensions as being comedies when they're just fucking, He's you know, me, regurgitated, uh, ooh, that's awkward, lines, yeah. you know, given to uh, superhuman yeah. uh, actors. Uh, that, that, that has, like, satiated people's need for comedy in movies uh, and just goes along with those franchises Maybe just, you're right. just taking up so much bandwidth and just taking up all the available bandwidth. Um I also, I actually think, I think Knocked Up in the Apatow universe, the Apatow trajectory, which starts, um, which starts in the, it, it was not, what I'm about to say was not present for me in 40-Year-Old Virgin, which I have not rewatched in a long time, but I, can, I, I, have a, I, I still I. have a pretty clear memory of the beats of it, and I don't see this trend yet happening, but the we start in knocked up we start to get a little bit of self serious apatow yes and i think that is the death of comedy i think this movie okay. i think this movie is where uh oh. comedy starts to die in hollywood for for a couple reasons and i'm going to start with a um well a it is a <laughs> this movie re- watching it now in 2022 to think that this movie was once like the cutting edge of Hollywood, this is a sexist pro-life movie. This is like a sexist pro-life conservative movie. It is, it is, and we can go through all the beats of why it's sexist. The simple, the simple reason though is a it thinks it's not sexist, which is always the first step to being sexist, is like from a from a male perspective, is it thinks it is is it thinks it is criticizing. Uh, man-child behavior and that it gives you know a speech here and there to Leslie Mann and then it thinks you can tell the movie thinks it's being feminist because it it reforms its man-child hero into some semblance of a responsible adult and Leslie Mann has her speeches about how men suck and they're not communicative and then Judd Apatow can go home and, and sleep well at night besides 
Leslie Mann, who is his wife. Um, Good point. Uh, so it thinks it's not being sexist, which is always like the first step to being sexist. Um, and uh, B, the bigger thing is it just does not, and this is what Katherine Heigl said later about the movie, it does not let its female actors into the fun of the movie. One of the things, one of the main Apatow trademarks is the old, um, and there's a hundred examples of this. You know, Katherine Heigl is always the scold in scenes, or she is the, 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 oh, you did good. She's like the, she's always the parent in every, in every scene. And she's either scolding or she's rewarding or she's looking down on this, but she's never allowed with very few exceptions to just have fun in the way that the male actors are allowed to have fun in this movie. And the big example of that is Apatow's trademark thing, which Adam McKay does and everybody else is they love these alternate punchline setups right where you there is some premise martin Starr has a gross beard and then jonah hill does a joke and then jay baruchel does a joke and then uh and then uh jason siegel does a joke and then seth rogan does a joke and then they circle back around and then jonah hill does another joke and he doesn't right and they love that and then there's so many outtakes where they are doing that for like 20 minutes right and then judd apatow or adam mckay whoever is off camera shouting out alternate say this say he looks like cat stevens right they're just yelling out punchline after punchline and they love it, and they're having so much fun. It's a big old fun boys club, and everybody's having fun, uh, except for anybody who is not in the boys club, right? Or Catherine um, Heigl. Catherine Heigl. So uh, the, there's, a, there's a very specific example of how this dynamic works, though, which is the double date scene when Seth Rogen and Catherine Heigl, yeah. and I feel like this is the scene that's okay. in Catherine Heigl's mind when mm-hmm. she's talking about, yeah. right? You're right? So uh, Seth Rogen, Catherine Heigl, Paul Rudd, and Leslie mm-hmm. Mann go on a double date. Seth Rogen and... Uh, Paul Rudd are able to do the alternate punchline thing where they are joking back and forth. Joke, 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 joke. Or premise, punchline, 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 punchline. Leslie Mann and Catherine Heigl literally just have to sit there and go, oh, really? Oh, we're at dinner. Oh, really? Over and over and over and over and over again. And it is, A, it's, 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 just, it's just insane that like Judd Apatow doesn't think that that like women can participate in that kind of humor that like, uh, and B that he just wouldn't want like that. He can literally like divide. He literally divides in this movie who gets to have fun in the movie by gender. It's insane. Watch go, go scene by scene, right? In terms of fun, Leslie Mann gets some good speeches. Catherine Heigl gets nothing to do in this movie. Nope. Nothing to do in this movie. She is ostensibly the co-lead and gets nothing to do in this movie. Um, to the point where there's the other scene where they're in the bookstore and they're getting the books and Seth Rogen, he doesn't have a, like his only scene partner is Catherine Heigl, yeah. right? So at least when he has Paul Rudd, you know, Judd Apatow's like, well, Seth and Paul will just do the funny bit. And then Catherine and Leslie will respond. I, in the bookstore, I'm so sorry. No, no, in the bookstore, in the bookstore, his only scene partner is Catherine Heigl. And he still, Apatow still does not let her joke back. She never jokes back. Seth Rogen jokes, 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 jokes. Mm-hmm. And Catherine Heigl just goes, ha, 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 ha. Oh, that's so funny. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. This movie is sexist as fuck in the way that it it absolutely is. It's a little sexist. No, it is very sexist in its implicit implicit coding of who gets to be funny and who gets to have fun. Tammy Sager and Kristen Wiig and Charlene Yee and Leslie Mann and lots of people are very funny in this movie. They rip it from the jaws of hell. They do it on their own initiative. They're just not in the they're just not in the crew. 
but you, look, I'm not saying this is like the this is like oh this movie's perfect uh, gender parody. Like there, are, I think a lot of what Brett is saying is there's true. I do. I would. Do, I would just my opinion about that whole thing is like there's lots of elements in the film that are like you're saying. Like you're right. It it you, you, Brett's not wrong. Like Catherine Heigl's character is the straight man, and it sucks, and it's not fun. And Catherine Heigl said that she didn't love that about that, and that's that's fair and fine. Um. Well, well, I don't, I don't want to step on on your foot. All I want to say is, I yes. hear you. I agree with you because I'm not trying to be a piece of shit. Like I agree with you, I, but, but here, I also want to push back a smidgey because yes. I just, if it was really, really sexist, then me and my wife would not have right. been able to sit through and, the whole entire thing. Like it, that's wasn't the case. We and we we, watch, we, it. we watch she's out of my league on this show, so we know what sexist as fuck. Yeah, a- actually yeah, looks like. right. right. Here, here's it, my, it's not like that. I it's under, not like that. I understand your resistance. It, there's and, no and like you are, shots of Catherine Heigl's butt. No, there's no like oh ho ho women. There's like. Definitely, if if you don't like man baby two thousand seven comedy, like this won't be for you. There's a lot of like, oh, I'm sucking a dick. Oh, I'm eating balls. You know, a yes. lot of that. Definitely a lot of that. And there's a couple beats where I was like, this, that, uh, 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 uh. like any movie. Like, uh, 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 I don't love that. I don't love that. But I do feel like each time, for whatever reason, and I think the reason, unfortunately, might be like, I don't know, um, Seth Rogen, like just kind of like charming and funny leading man. I don't know what saved it, but like every, when the movie would go down and I was like, oh no, here we go. Now I gotta like hate this movie. It would it would find some nice footing again and charm me enough that we finished the movie and we thought it was was funny and good. And I, I don't want to pre- pretend that I'm, I was sitting there the whole time with my arms crossed and a scowl yeah. on my face. Right. Uh, there are some funny moments in this movie that got like, that you know, got still got authentic laughs out of me in 2022. Definitely. I also don't want to... Yes, I don't. I don't want to come out. You know, put you in a like. We both had to be honest about our impressions of the movie. What I will say, I think why I'm I'm harsher because again, look, we we've seen she's out of my league. We know what like a real a sexist really really piece really of shit bad movie like, looks like. It's yes. funny because they're yes. being sexist. Yeah, and this movie, it's not. That's not quite. But the, what that's I not but, what's but the different. Here. But the different. Why I'm gonna be I'm harsher about knocked up though is a because of the the I mean Judd Apatow has run comedy in Hollywood mm-hmm. ever since right so mm-hmm. there is a higher there's a higher bar that I set for somebody that's achieved like like she's out of my league nobody it's a piece it, of shit no yes, one gives yeah, a shit no it, it stinks obviously uh, Apatow they were not, saying this was gonna be best picture yes not only not only uh you know became a major power player in comedy after this also you know he he, he produced girls he worked with Lena Dunham he's like he is presenting as a feminist as a friend to women in Hollywood, as a feminist director. And I think watching this movie... Of course he is. Uh, that's why you know, throughout this movie, I'm just like, fuck you, Judd. Like, this is like, you like you really... Here's what I'll say about Knocked Up. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. This is maybe the last... Uh, it could have come out a couple years later. It couldn't come, have come out five years later. This is like, he really... This is a movie that that he, I think, got away with. Uh, uh, right at the tail end of of like everybody, like at the tail end of a time where nobody really, you know, it was, man the, it was the last run for the nobody bunch really of boys knew what being nobody boys. knew Except what Trump. consent was, and right. and like and and everybody was still cool with locker room talk culture and this. Yeah. Like he really yeah. he really slid in at I the tail know. end of that and cashed in big, and then has since mm-hmm. presented himself as a as as very much a you know despite his I mean look has, he's has a, he he's a presented himself as a, what's absolutely he as what? absolutely as a virtue signaling you know uh, he tweets uh, about liberal Trump. Hollywood he tweets, his, he tweets about Trump. Direct. Uh, I'm just saying, buddy, you don't have the CV to live that life. I I think that this is, um, I think that 
I this was not my experience. I wasn't like I didn't have to fucking like watch the fucking movie with my hands, you know, between my there was a couple 2007 things. Leslie Mann says the F slur, you know, there's like there's like bad 2007 things. It's totally a boys being dumb boys movie. And, you know, they smoke pot and they're like, it's all the boys. It's all the freaks and Greeks guys, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, that's, you know, if that's not your scene, that's not for you. But I really don't think that this movie is um, the death of comedy or or any of those things at all. I think that they're far as in some of Judd's later films, he kind of takes some of the things that he did during knocked up and he leans into areas that I wish, I mean, I think we all wish he didn't lean into and he kind of forgets some of the things that made knocked up um, good. But I certainly wouldn't, I don't think this is some horror. Look, look, here's what I think. I think this is a, this is a romantic comedy about getting, it's called knocked up. It's about um, when you don't want to get pregnant, and you have sex with somebody and then they get pregnant and then they decide to keep the baby for whatever reason, you know, whatever this is this character. Cause the movie is pro-life. No, cause the movie is pro-life. There are, there are, it wouldn't be a fucking shell. Bear shell is literally pro-life. Don't her mom. Have, remember when she talks to her mom, her mom's yeah, but, yeah. but her mom is, 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 uh, urging her to have an abortion because That's right. uh, she is on the verge the, all the of a characters big career sure moment, the, the characters and because the guy who the guy who the the father's from a one night. So, but her mom's uh, like argument is presented as like cold and out of touch, and like so so people who are like hardcore pro choice in this movie are presented as cold and out of touch. Uh, people who are pro like like hardcore pro life Baruchel are presented as sort of as sort of having this like sort of boyish like love of like they're idealistic they're like I, they're idealistic and then the movie okay. itself is ultimately it's ultimately a, a, a pro life movie everything works out like this is why it's not a very pro, sorry look, look it's not pro, everybody she, she just decided to have the I baby. know that she it's made pro well Judd decided that she, what she would decide because okay. he wrote them you know because you know I, you know. Is a razor head like anti baby? Because at the end he stabs it with the fucking scissors. Like it's the that's what the movie's about. We'll get to that. I don't know. <laughs> that's your big screen. <laughs> Look, cause, all right. Before before we get into this, because okay. there is a context here. There is a we are approaching this movie in different ways, which I think is re, which is resulting in our different interpretations of it. If this movie, mm. literally, I'm going to start with this. It's very simple. Okay. If this movie was 90 minutes, I would I would have brought well, an, I would have brought there. an entirely different metric well, to you interpreting said it, it. If this movie was 90 yeah. minutes, yeah. in and out, 40 year old virgin. How old is how long is 40? That's got to be a shorter one, right? Uh, I, he, that was like his first, so it has to be yes. to be appropriate. You know, Let's, it has to be the length of a comedy. Minutes, 100 minutes. Or was forty year old virgin is or was this thing long ass? I don't movies? I don't mind that as like an idea. I just mind it in practice. I'm coming back to this. Hold like on, in, I have a, to find a, out as an idea. I love like a long comedy. In practice, sometimes I say to myself, "That's enough comedy." How do, why can't I find the runtime of forty year old virgin? <laughs> All right, hold on. It's got to be down here. Google is IMDb. Everything. Just give it to me. Holy shit! What is the runtime? Oh, here we go. Two hours. This guy is a lunatic. This guy is a fucking lunatic. It's just two right. hours. I think it's so, far more egregious here we go. later. How mm-hmm. wait? How long is knocked up? I gotta get the two hours. Over two hours. Two hours and nine minutes. Okay, so if this movie was ninety minutes, mm-hmm. my interpretation of it would mm-hmm. be completely different. Mm-hmm. The fact that it is over two hours. Mm-hmm. This guy thought his his little like maternity yeah. buddy comedy yeah. needed to be over two hours. Yeah. What that says to me is that I think I'm saying something in this mm-hmm. movie. I think that I need that yeah. extra 30 to 40 okay. minutes to make a point. Okay. And so immediately I'm like, all right, buddy, then what's your fucking point? 
What's the fucking point of the movie? So that's it's, when it's I'm nice. the length of the no, and not just, only is it the length of the movie, the there's movie. two things: uh-huh. the length of the movie and uh-huh. my least, the worst, one of the worst scenes in movie history, one of the absolute oh. worst fucking scenes in movie history. Oh my gosh, and this movie must honestly, really stink. It was runtime and this scene that made me say, "Okay, you want to play that game? Let's fucking play that game." <laughs> is the fucking bright the eyes uh-huh. montage. The uh-huh. fucking the, like this is the scene that they make fun of in Step Brothers. Remember in Step yeah. Brothers where they were by Judd Apatow. <laughs> Please. But this is this is Judd Apatow's movie. Yeah. Like, right? He's yes. got his fingerprints all over That's it. True. He's just fucking cashing in on, on Step Brothers. Um He's a producer. Step Brothers, though, makes fun of this yeah. scene. Right. Mm-hmm. So the scene is uh Seth Rogan's gotta get his shit together, yeah. right? Okay. So in Step Brothers, they make fun of that. They have Will Ferrell buying toilet paper and doing a fist pump and in the, in the his <laughs> ass with the with the, <laughs> with the, the shower bath. mat. Yeah. <laughs> The, the best, best. Yeah. perfect movie. Uh, incredible. Okay, so they make fun of the whole montage of like, yeah. like, like men child growing up. The best. In Knocked Up, though, yeah. it could not be played with more sincerity. Yes. It is so sincere. Yes. They play a goddamn Bright Eyes song. Off of, it's yeah. Wide Awake. Um, Wide Awake, It's Morning. Mm-hmm. Right, the fucking Emmylou Harris duet, mm-hmm. whatever the name of that song is. They play a bright. He plays a Bright Eyes song, and we literally see Seth Rogen just doing basic tenets of living a functional life in society. So Getting the, a cubicle job. you've ever seen. This and this. Because, okay, we are already well over 90 minutes at this point. Well over 90 minutes. And you're gonna hit me with a goddamn sentimental montage of, of your fucking loser-ass character that runs yeah. this movie that he's growing up? Congratulations! Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. He's still not like... Like actively, you have stood side by side with your wife through an entire pregnancy. Yeah. I stood side by side through my wife through an entire pregnancy. Yeah. Even though Catherine Hangel did not want to be romantically involved with him, while this guy is supposedly getting his shit together, he is not checking in on Catherine Heigl at all. We are given no indication that he is at all trying to see what's going on with her. He is like, but, but the, the narcissism goes so fucking deep that he thinks just because he can decorate a fucking nursery in his suddenly big apartment that he's paying for with a cubicle mm. job, that he has achieved adulthood mm. and now is deserving of Catherine Heigl's, you know, deserving of a family with her and this or that. Mm-hmm. So once Judd hits me with the once we're over, a big fight, once we're over 90 minutes, oh my God, he a can, big he, fight. Like you can't just like, it's the, it's the, yeah. Okay. All right. I, Pack it into ninety minutes, and I agree with you. Pack it into ninety, and I agree with you. All right. All right. Once let, let you me go say my over ninety, uh-huh. once, last point. I'm gonna sum, yeah. summarize all okay. this. Once you went over ninety, and you did the bright eyes montage, it was on, baby. Then suddenly, it's a different movie, and I'm interpreting it with a different metric. Meaning, you think you're actually doing something important here. You think you're actually doing something beyond important. comedy, beyond comedy. And then you Not know, beyond. and but you act just, like just you act like here. You act like Apatow after this, like. Went back, you know, went back in the barman store. Not talking about the bright eyes montage. Mm. He thinks he thinks that was the seed of the rest of it. And then we get funny people, and we get this is forty, and we get all. Then we get confused old ass Apatow, where he Mm. can't tell his ass from his fucking elbow. Mm. Mm. Knocked up could have been baby. All you had to do was keep it at ninety. All you had to do was keep it at ninety, and you didn't. You were drunk. You were drunk on it all. You were drunk yeah. on it all. You went You went up to two hours. Mm-hmm. You threw Bright Eyes in because you thought you were saying something mm-hmm. with this movie. And now you got you incurred my wrath. That's yeah. all I got to say. And now I'm looking at everything you're doing. I'm going through with a fine-tooth comb. I'm finding all your little dirty secrets and knocked up. <laughs> Fuck you. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, guys, honest to goodness. I mean, <laughs> ew. <laughs> Brett just kissed his banana, baby. All right, hold on, wait. Oh, who knew, fuck, we really got to Who knew go that a, a rotten banana covered but in barbecue I tell you what sauce I think about would smell up. like... We've got 24 minutes here. Okay. All right, I'm not going to say another word. I'm oh, sorry. No, no, you can talk. I mean, no, no, I'm just saying, no, okay. 
noted. Brett was Brett was fucking bold over. He his he couldn't he couldn't handle. He was just so sexist and horrible to watch. It was unwatchable. So long, two hours. I think that there's lots of crimes or lots of crimes. I think there's lots of like things that we associate with a Judd Apatow directed picture that, you know, we, you know, they're over long. They do the improv scene things. They have tons of cameos. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. He finds, he finds, you know, young stars and he promotes them, whether it's Amy Schumer in Trainwreck or, you know, Pete Davidson in King of Staten Island. You know, that's what he does. So you can love his thing or hate his thing. But I want to talk about Knocked Up for a second. In 2007, Judd Apatow also produced Superbad. Now, you know, now what do you think about Superbad? Haven't rewatched it recently. Yeah, save nice. And then oh, <laughs> let's watch it on the podcast. I want to hear your, your thoughts. Great, can't wait. And then, the um, and then he also wrote uh, Walk Hard that year. Uh, that came out that year, which is an amazing movie, obviously, folks, with the great John C. Riley. Don't disagree with that. Don't and um, and then he also produced uh, and direct, uh, directed Knocked Up. You know, when I, I watched Knocked Up last night, it was um, very 2007. Ultimately, though, um, quite charming, funny. Like you have to Brett's all the Brett speech. You have to like you have to like you do have to kind of just kind of say, I'm sitting here and watching Knocked Up. I'm going to kind of just go ahead and, you know, do my little brain with this. Like, we've all watched old comedies before. You just do your little brain. You kind of shuffle some things around. You understand nobody here is trying to hurt anybody. Brett's point is well taken. Sometimes you don't mean to hurt anybody. You end up do hurting people. Well, that that's a different thing. That's fair. That's that's true. What do you think Walkhard's runtime is? Uh, I don't know. 96 minutes, baby. That's the so, sweet sauce right there. So... It was really nice to see a comedy shot on film, by the way, just as like aesthetically it was charming. And I honestly think that this two hours and this lean into sentimentality, think about it, like the movies that are coming out in comedy right around then, you know, we have our Anchorman's, Judd's writing an amazing Adam Sandler movie that everybody should watch called Don't Mess With the Zohan, you know, Walk Hard. These are joke based. And this is the comedy I miss. This is the Barb and Star. This is the joke. You're about to stumble into my argument. You're about to stumble into my argument here. I, I don't blame Judd Apatow. Knocked up poison to that world. It's just a, it's just an alternative. And if if producers in Hollywood are too chicken shit to greenlight, you know, comedies, that's not Judd Apatow's fault. In fact, he's one of the only people that can get them through the fucking finish line these days. So, what I would say about Knocked Up is that you know, this, this, in that context. And I miss those days. I miss dodgeball in the summer, right? That's what I want. When, that, 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 those are the halcyon days I crave for comedy. But, you know, Judd does takes, you're right. He does take it a different uh, way with this film. It tricked a lot of people into thinking maybe this movie should be nominated for Best Picture. This is some A-plus film because it's a totally different flavor of comedy. But looking back uh, all these years later, I really kind of almost um, kind of uh, miss. I There's... I know what happens next. I, I, you know, I've seen funny people. I know where this goes, but at, in this moment, man, there's something almost kind of nice about this uh, committed, sentimental, um, like plot-based. You know, he wants me to say this, and I don't agree with this. But you know, Albert Brooks-esque sort of a paced comedy movie. And it's two hours long, which is kind of fucking ballsy, and it is over long. And it's later on in life we can say, "Oh, Judd Apatow, his movies are masturbatory because their runtime are three hours, four hours long, and we have to watch the." Albert rant. Brooks earned that length, though he earns every minute of those. Uh, of this those is, I, I, I didn't mean to. I'm not trying to do Albert Brooks versus Judd Apatow right now. I'm not trying to do that. That's not really. That's not the game I'm trying to play. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm trying Cheap to like. Shot. I'm trying to like walk this back. Like okay. from like the. This is like like the precipice of like. This is some like fucking Nazi flick, and this is the worst thing I've ever seen. It's fucking thing. It's it's just not like that. Is it is it have bad things in it or whatever? Yes, but also you know what? 
it's it's funny. The guy, the, if anything, this movie's anti beard. Holy smokes! Yeah. I guess in two thousand seven, having a beard was really meant something because in this movie is anti beard. That I will say, uh, um, uh, I don't understand. Like every character, you is remember totally right? On Martin board. Stars, uh, his character, the one ca- thing the character does yeah. is he does something called the Dirty Man Challenge, where he what? has to not shave or cut yeah. his hair for a year, and then yeah. the. Uh, and then Jason Siegel will pay his rent. It was unclear though for how long Jason Siegel would pay his rent. Yeah, yeah, it was a year. If it's for another year, they would, they would all pay it for a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I know that's why I'm saying what a, what isn't, a great isn't it weird? Isn't yeah, it, that's why. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a really weird joke now. I might like, like unintentionally not cut my hair for a year. No, I know. Like right now, it doesn't make any sense because now we're in the future in 2022, so all the jokes don't really all line up and make sense 100 percent of the time. But I think that this movie is. Um, good i think that the performances are good i think i think i understand now why seth rogan has his like awesome career i mean i think that seth rogan look by the way in a world where we're you know we're we're casting all white casts and like prioritizing cis men in comedy i understand that's the world that i'm speaking about but i am saying that in that world seth rogan is like um, an interesting charming and and funny choice he his character stinks and he kind of sells it and katherine heigl's character stinks and she kind of sells it. And I in, in some Judd Apatow movies, like in Trainwreck, there's a scene at the end where like you like Marv Albert and like Matthew Broderick are talking to Bill Hader at the in the bottom of the fucking Madison Square Garden. And I'm like, like the cameos go off the rails. No, that, that's like, like that's but, like but, Judd uh, Apatow. Like, you know, that's him like inviting people over and having fun. Yeah, he's no, that, that that's like Judd Apatow's but, now been that's when he's been like just mega rich for ten yeah, years. But, and but, just like but he's in movie, the Lauren Michaels territory at that point. In this movie it's not that the cameos like are really funny. Like the Tammy Sager cameo is funny. The fucking Ken Jong cameo is funny. Um, the movie made me laugh um, a lot. I thought the movie was good. And honestly, right now um, we're experiencing, which is wonderful. We're finally folks. I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast. We're leaving eighties nostalgia. Yes. We have to suffer through stranger things. 12. I understand that, but we're Jesus. finally here in nineties nostalgia and it's feeling so nice. And we're so amped about it in six, seven years. We're going to want to fucking like, when the you know Stranger Things fifty, it's gonna be awful. Like it's all nineties. We're gonna be so nineties to death. And you know what's gonna happen in six seven years? We're gonna look back at Knocked Up as the comedy masterpiece uh, that it is. Opposite of that, I think the reason I'm being so harsh against Knocked Up is to me this is this watching this movie. I felt like I was watching a real dividing line in in the trajectory uh, that Hollywood has taken. And specifically, I want to go back to and I'll end on this. There's nothing more there's nothing more pathetic than a false epiphany and Judd in this movie had a false epiphany. He thought uh cuz look, I think I have not seen it in a while uh and it's and look, 40-year-old virgin has all the same 2000, you know, you seven shit you even worse than, than knocked up That's does. That's right. Um but it is a straight up comedy trying to be funny, not trying to say uh, And what I'm saying is that and this sort of this sort of twist in knocked up, I find kind of admirable or I understand look when this movie came out in movie theaters I did not like it because I was fucking six years old but now you know looking back I was kind of like you know what he took you know oh it's a comedy but you know it's taken itself seriously it's two hours but long but it's not earning that it's not Maybe. doing anything that's okay it. it is it is total false epiphany because it thinks it's saying something about masculinity it's not it is not on its own intentionally saying anything interesting about masculinity it's saying a lot uh, unintentionally about masculinity that it's not realizing that it's saying, for example, that like that like 
that that male self-deprecation is like a form of integrity. That just like just the but, fact but that Brett, Seth Rogen Brett, is Brett, like Brett, makes Brett, fun of himself. Brett, we were that that's some form in of two thousand and seven. Yeah, that was that was currency. Right, but yeah, but we are looking at someone who became the the poster child mm-hmm. for it, and then made a shit ton of money off it, and permanently. Uh, change the direction of Hollywood comedy as a result of it. And so that's why I'm judging Judd Apatow at a higher level than just okay. what was percolating in the culture because he is feeding sure. off of that culture he's, but also he's important to the culture. In, inspiring right. it, mm-hmm. yes. And I remember at the time, I specifically remember at the time, an interview with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg who you know wrote Superbad and are a, are a writing partner that is key to the Apatow universe, saying that Judd was very crucial for them because, um, uh, because he taught them the importance of like building character yeah. arcs into comedy and building themes into yeah. comedy in this. And first of all, I was like, Judd Apatow had to fucking tell you that? It's just fucking writing. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no, because back it then was it was so, very joke-based. Yes. And a, but the thing is, like it should be. these the Apatow crew, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure there are exceptions, yeah. but Apatow himself and the Apatow crew cannot pay off this pretension to... Uh, dramedy or whatever they sort of ultimately tried to to, to work into these movies. I they cannot pay off because they ultimately do I not. Really do. He does not have the skills to pay the bills is what I'm saying. He yeah, is okay. trying if he if this was again, if this was a 90 minute comedy, if it was pared down to the jokes and I'm not saying that like you get carte blanche if you're doing 90 minute comedies and you can just do whatever you want. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like you when I started to get the sense in this movie that's like, oh, this guy's like trying to sort of like have some sort of commentary on gender and our relationships and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, I was like, no, no, no. You're like terrible on that stuff. Like you're not like, you're bad on all of that. You're bad on masculinity and you're bad on, on relationships and you have a, a very limited narrow point of view on those things. Right. Uh, So as soon as I start, I was like, I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Don't like, try to say things about this because you don't you have bad takes on all of that stuff and so as soon as though the movie starts to uh develop those pretensions of trying to do that that's when that's that's just when i i i become i become i i think i think that comedies are allowed to be character driven and sometimes they don't work out hey baby hey baby like, try it fucking whatever hey try it but you, but yeah. if you fail, you fail. I don't and think if you fail, you fail hard. I think I it think absolutely it's a, I think it's a huge fucking failure. Oh my god! I think it's Brett, absolutely that's huge so dramatic. Failure. That's ridiculous. The movie's garbage. That's ridiculous. It has funny jokes. Yeah, it is a garbage movie that when, in which those know. jokes are inserted. Into. I don't think. Look, look, this isn't fucking bicycle thieves, Brett. I'm just telling you. I, I, I'm, look, how about this, folks? I'm not losing any sleep over knocked up. It was funny. We got 13 minutes on a racer head. It was 13 funny minutes on a racer head. Um, uh, yeah, well, let's do it. Uh, Eraserhead, Eraserhead by another Hollywood elite, David Lynch. Uh, his first movie. All right, we literally have ten minutes on Eraserhead. Great, because Joe has to get to a pregnancy business. It's Which important. Is it's important. On theme. It's important. It's on theme. On theme. Okay. All right. Um, let's do. How do we? How do we? How, how can we how, do like quick a summary? Mi- yeah, yeah. How can we do? It? Yeah, go ahead. Very quick. Do, summary. do, do a sixty-second summary. I, I can't reach my phone. I got my baby with me here. Uh, uh black and white. Um, ambient surrealist uh, picture Lynchian to a T in his sort of youthful uh, phase here. Um, that's like the mode we're operating on. It, a young printer named Henry, who we're calling Eraserhead, he finds out that a woman that he is seeing but not married to uh, is p- pregnant and has had a baby. He agrees to marry her and raise it. 
Um, but the baby is like a deformed, wet little peanut, like a little baby llama, scary little guy swaddled up on the edge of the bed. Um, it's actually generous. That's like a very. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's a baby. <laughs> it is yeah, it's, a it's, it's, grotesque, <laughs> like sure. amphibious Hellish creature that is covered in like blood. Cute, yes, but it's very yeah. scary and very wet and gross and looks terrific. My yes. God, well lit film. Um, then, uh, you know, the wife and then sort of like it floats and bips and bops and the wife leaves one night. The the beautiful woman across the hall sleeps with Henry. She sort of flits out of his life. He dreams down into the radiator that there's a woman with big balls for cheeks that is uh, on the stage and <laughs> tap dancing and crushing balls. With These her, are with accurate her descriptions. I just never and, quite heard Eraser and put like and, this. Um, and you know, those are sort of the women in his life. And then uh, he just gets so overwhelmed and the baby won't stop crying kind of and he's just so confused that he ends up taking some skizzers spoiler alert for Eraserhead and he goes and he kills that baby um, and that's what Eraserhead is about uh, and so many we can't get into them now because of limited time but so many interesting sort of backstory things to Eraserhead uh, Lynch was studying to be a visual artist and then was sort of flirting with moving into film and then got some money from AFI AFI paid for this movie the American really? Film Institute paid for Eraserhead uh, he then they were not fully uh, aware of what they were paying for though and what the <laughs> ultimate expense of it would be so he then Good. had to like uh, raise additional money but I mean so Wait, many what like, are you doing? so many like Lynch lives the fucking thing so many Lynchian stories around yeah. the making of this he was living in these like stables that were like adjacent to the AFI property that were like not being used and he like literally was like living there and like shot some of Eraserhead in these like fucking stables. Part of it was shot in the in the, in the infamous Greystone Mansion which is a very famous set that shows up in a lot of Hollywood movies when they need like mansion interiors and things like that. There was a very famous murder that happened in the Greystone Mansion in the 1920s that was adjacent to the Teapot Dome scandal. It's crazy. Read about cool. it. So uh, Greystone Mansion, incredible set with incredible history. He shot stuff there because AFI uh, owned it at this point. They bought it um and so this is a movie that's being made in the kind of uh in in the engine of of hollywood you know i mean uh, a little bit on the like uh, uh art, art, artistic yeah. right. organization stipending your movie as opposed to like big budget studio filming but still it's being being made like within the engine of hollywood um sissy spacek was a key producer she uh, threw in a lot of money because she knew somebody who knew lynch and this and that uh so much like mel brooks uh was key to getting him on uh, elephant man mm-hmm. which is a, sort of what skyrocketed his career sissy spacek here was key in getting a racer head over the finish line very cool um so a lot of cool stuff uh he worked obsessively on the sound the sound of the movie is incredible uh so many cryptic things he refuses to to this day refuses to say what the baby was made of there there's speculation that it was like a dead rabbit carcass that he like animated as a puppet shut up yeah he refuses to say um what the uh baby was actually oh that's what i was wondering the whole time he literally has said when asked he said in interviews that quote it was born nearby or quote maybe it was found so lynch being lynch he will not say what this fucking baby was made of i will say mine is made out of a rotten banana and some homemade barbecue sauce that has passed its expiration looks good and some panko it's like when you made you know you're pretty good you made the blood for our nope episode it looked amazing you can check Brett being doused with his yes. own blood. That was made. You well, watched the, me make that blood. You saw yeah. it. No, on no that camera. was good. And this, this, this is really working right here. Maybe on, I got on a plus. second career coming. As uh, I, I, I'm down. I'll go with you. Less of, I mean, I would love to be go. the best life. We have Fangoria Foley doing Foley. Oh we have Fangoria God. out in the hallway, and yes. there's an ad on the one page for like. A, like a four-year like bachelor's degree in prosthetic monster mask making. I was like, 
goodbye. Joe, I'm going right dream, now. My goodbye. Dream, my dream in life yeah. is a late stage career change. I want to be Robert De Niro in the intern. My dream is to be <laughs> is to be like the old guy in yeah. your master's program where it's like yeah. you and a bunch of like hot yeah, yeah. up and coming 20 year olds. Do you want to come out, Brad? You're guy, like, nah, you kids have fun. Nah, 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 I'm going to go nah, home. Nah, nah, nah. I got the mortgage and the, oh, you know, yeah. Maybe my sad. kids are going to call tonight. You know, I got to <laughs> sit by the phone. Oh, man. Uh, so uh, a lot a lot happens between now and then. And yeah. my, you know, yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah, projecting yeah. is my life. But I do eventually yeah. want to be the old person in a in a master's program. And yeah. maybe it'll be visual. Uh, that'd be, that'd F- be F- so F- cool. Anyway, it's very, very you know, Anyway, what do you think of Eraserhead? All right. One sentence review of Eraserhead. Um, I think it, it obviously uh, contains the DNA of Lynch. Yep. It's like all the DNA yep. of Lynch is here. Yep. Almost like, almost to the point that uh, later things are quoting this movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, and I even read that he uh, experimented with the backwards talking thing that he does in Twin Peaks, but then it didn't end up making it the final cut of the movie, but cool. he experimented with it in, with Eraserhead. But all the DNA of Lynch is here. Uh, that, that famous... Um, uh, episode of Twin Peaks: The Return with the atomic bomb almost feels like a remake of Eraserhead to me in terms of the style and tone of it and the use of sound. Um, so there is um, uh, this movie is fantastic on the level of tone. Immediately from the very beginning, just that ominous uh, surrealism of it is so affecting. The um, the surreal imagery combined with those ambient drones combined with like a silent scream and like the whirring of some unseen uh, mechanical engine, some ancient machine, like all these, he just, uh, you know, very early on knew how to combine surreal elements to create a single tone, which is hard to do. So often I think with surrealism, you can sort of get off the path of to the point where the 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 the, met, the 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 tone is not coherent, but he manages to do all of these different surreal touches and maintain a coherent tone. Or as Jesus, I'm quoting Alec Baldwin if, for all the Double Threat fans, a homogeneity <laughs> of tone. Yeah, Razorhead yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed has a homogeneity it of sure tone, does. is what I'm arguing. Uh, Jesus Christ! All right, but I think at the same time, uh, if we're being honest, if we're being honest, I think it is. Um, <sighs> I, uh, I mean, maybe if I was, honestly, maybe if I was, uh, if I was stoned, it'd be a different experience. But watching this sober, it gets a little boring at points for me. It's a, it does, it drags at points. And I think later on, Lynch will learn how to, mm-hmm. in Mulholland Drive, uh, Lost Highway, other movies, he will learn how to maintain that. Uh, that tone that he loves so much, but just make it in- more interesting beat by beat, character by character, scene by scene. I think he learns to do more. I, I think, you know, in this early stage, minimalism was uh, the best option to make sure he wasn't making any false moves. You can see someone who I think is like is like scared to make a false move or make a sort of Hollywood move um, and, and wants to and wants to. Um, uh, he's young at this point. This is, you know, first feature film. Um, so I think uh, later on he will get more confident with like making the film simultaneously um, uh, that ominous experimental surreal style, but also just make it interesting yeah. beat by beat and character by character. Um, uh, last point, I am... I, I am amazed rewatching this movie start to finish in the light of day. I'm amazed this became one of the because this uh, really became a sort of cult hit in the uh, with the midnight movie era of movies. So along with um, 
The Harder They Fall and Rocky Rocky Horror Picture Show is probably the best example. But there was that whole era of like, you know, there's a documentary about it you can go see. But movies that would only play at midnight and they were all sort of weird and bizarre in their own way and became these big hits and people would go out in big droves and see them at midnight. Rocky Horror is the best example. This became, it became famous in that wave of midnight movies, which is shocking because it is a demanding experimental art film in a way that Rocky Horror is is not. Um, So I'm amazed that it sort of got picked up and I'm kind of wondering like, what was it that sort of like... and I have it's to imagine, so arresting and it's, it's just so like confident and yes. haunting and different. And now we've seen 50 Lynch movies, but like, can you yes. imagine? No, no. You know, like, you'd be like, what the fuck? And everybody was you like, you gotta that? see the baby. Yeah, so I'm wondering yeah, like, yeah. what were people saying to other people to get them to go to the movie? Oh, and incredible. I guarantee they were like, you gotta see the baby. It's so oh, fucking yeah. weird. And then he like, he like, his head like fucking pops off and then they turn into erasers. Like, you gotta go see it. I, I, love, like, when, I love when he yeah. has, the, when his head pops, that whole yeah. scene, that was the best part of the movie. Yeah. So, folks, all right, one, sorry. At one point, his head pops off and then the baby's head comes out of his suit and he like walks around with it and it's fire. So I think last sentence, I yeah. think that um, it is it is a it, 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 it was doing enough bizarre sensational things to get people to these midnight movie screenings, which turned into a cult classic. But I have to imagine they were somewhat taken aback by what they found when they came to the midnight movie screening. I have to imagine people are going to those midnight yeah. movies looking for Rocky Heart and they got this really textured, layered. Um, I mean, the, it probably the, blew the, out of the water. That's why people exactly because yes. it probably like, just like, oh, it's like oh, this. Fuck, oh, okay, oh, a real okay, movie. yes. Oh, a good right. movie. So, yeah. um, I I like Eraserhead a lot. Yeah. Uh, it is a movie that just again going back to like we love fucking DIY filmmaking. We love someone who's who just figured out how to get it done, strung the m- money together, love. and made their fucking early yeah. masterpiece. I do think uh, I don't think it's, I should amend that. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I think I think it is it is the DNA of his later masterpieces. Um, most notably, uh, uh, Twin Peaks and Mulholland, uh, Mulholland Drive in their own separate ways. Um, I'm also a huge Elephant Man stand. Maybe that'll come up on the podcast at some point. Uh, so I think it contains the DNA of all those things and was very fascinating to, to rewatch. I think that this film obviously is, if this is a first film, you say, more than any first film we've watched on this, better than Pee Wee, better than Pie, you'd say this man is going to be a master. Yes, like th- this, this, yes. this, this kid has fucking got it in yeah. spades. And you're right. Like for Lynch fans, it's cool to see so many proto ideas crop up in these in this film. Um, the surrealist elements are perfectly implemented. They feel. Um, all the things that you'd want from a David Lynch film to feel nightmarish um, and specific. And you're, you as the audience member are uh, allowed and encouraged to bring so much of yourself to sort of engaging with the film. But also he can he can stop the part where you're engaging with it and tell you how to feel very confidently with his horror yeah. moves yeah. and his dramatic flourishes. The s- score's brilliant. The lighting in this film is fucking it's gorgeous. gorgeous. It's fucking spectacular. I miss lighting so much. I miss film so much. I, and you can't, I cannot you can't even believe, begin to even I cannot approximate believe this, was this made, with digital uh, cameras. I can't believe this was made on a shoestring. No, th- this thing is it. just purely a master. Uh, but to Brett's point, it is, um, you know, just, you know, he is better movies. All his movies are better. Yeah. This is a great movie. Yeah. This is a very, very, how about this? This is a very good movie that I was... Um, totally happy we watched and like I love so many of the brilliant elements and and he'll do them again and sometimes better often throughout his career uh this isn't my favorite David Lynch movie maybe it's my least favorite but that's silly because this is a great movie you know he he only makes great movies um or that's not true but he makes a lot of great movies and you know Brett I uh I'm with you but 
there's something about a razor head that look what why you know whatever he doesn't have to figure it all out Ooh, in his first film yeah, yeah you yeah. know he, he 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 but he does figure it out and i have no idea what you're gonna put in the canon this is exciting. Uh, uh, yeah this so very exciting i've obviously anyway Eraserhead is wonderful i'm i and 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 ballsy and and just you know just like gutsy and and technical and and the man's gonna be a master and it's a good movie Really quickly before we get to our uh, decision, uh, somebody on Twitter this week suggested that we do Mulholland Drive and Snow White because apparently there are a lot of Snow White analogies in Mulholland okay. Drive, and I was like, that is incredible. I love we, that. I think we have to do that. That'd be fun to watch that. a Walt Disney too. That'd be very fun. Yeah, yes. that'd be cool. Uh, the first Walt Disney, right? Or feature? The first Walt Disney feature, uh, Snow White. I think it's either one or two, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, or yeah Sle- it's Sleeping one. Beauty, maybe. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. One, right. one, those are one and two, I think. But, all right. Uh, so um, let's get to the uh, big conclusion. I obviously will go first because yeah. I've already played my hand here i'm putting knocked up in the trash can and get in there baby get in that trash can and you piece of shit and then i'm giving uh putting a racer head in the cannon racer head goes in the cannon joe um you know we ended it today are we throwing it over to the fans brett um i really enjoyed watching this movie thank you thank you fans thank you brett i feel prepared to be a father now whether i'm gonna stab my son Good. in thank his you. little, little thank guts you. let's focus on what's cut open here. his swaddle and stab his little guts and in, in blood hilariously spurt from his little llama mouth like Bleh! which is what happens in a racer head or you know whatever just have like a terrible fucking relationship they get if they get if they get together they get divorced two years later and knocked up for sure but either way i feel prepared for childhood thank you very much um, you know, I'm going to uh, be honest with you guys. It's time for me to just tell you what goes in the cannon, what goes in the gotta trash can. You got to be honest. You got to be honest. Um, Eraserhead, rock solid. Um, but uh, I honestly like Knocked Up more. And, I, and I thought it was better. <laughs> I think it's um, I think it's Judd Apatow's, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a masterpiece, but it's Judd Apatow's masterpiece and a really good romantic comedy made me laugh um, very much. Um these people are funny. Like I, I, a lot of things Brett said hold water, but these people at the end of the day, like you know, a fucking come and come in and arrest me. Jonah Hill and Martin Starr and 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 Seth Rogen and they, they, uh, these people are funny. This the movie's funny and the movie's really good. I, I thought um, it had it had guts in in a whole different set of ways outside of romantic comedy, outside of the comedies of the time. For Judd Apatow to leave Superbad and then to deliver something sentimental. Um, heartfelt and uh, vulnerable, whether or not it's perfectly, you know, uh, set up for cultural success these days. I think there's a lot to admire about Knocked Up. I don't care how, you know, what you think about the way the rest of his films went. Um, I, Eraserhead, you know, I'm watching the whole thing being like, I love Leilange. I love his short films that he made before this. This movie's obviously very good. But, you know, at the end of the day, I guess, you know, you, maybe, 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 right, maybe we're just like old and like we've seen all the David Lynch movies or whatever. For whatever reason, I was like, Yep, I love David Lynch. He's great. He does all the weird stuff, and this one doesn't really have the pop pizzazz of a Mulholland Drive kind of a thing. You know, that's where I'm at. That's what we do on Weekend at Bergman's. We are honest. That's why I love I love doing this podcast with Joe, because we are always honest. We respect each other. We say what we got to say. But at the end of the day, it's just you looking at yourself in the mirror and saying which movie did I like better. All I did, folks, was I just watched them back to back, and then I just told you literally which one that I thought was better and one that I, I liked more. I'm not trying to win an award here. I'm not trying to do anything. Well, and I think I want to yeah. say too. Yeah. I made my yeah. points about the knocked up. Your impression yeah. of knocked up yeah. is not in the context of my comments. So I think there was no, a little. I, I had my issues with the film. I am. I am. You know. I, I stand by them. Uh, but I don't want to. You know. It's not like that. Doesn't that should. That's. I wasn't trying to paint you into a corner. No, right. I don't so feel I that way at all. I appreciate you. Uh, Please. Uh, uh, being honest about your impressions yes. of the movie. Um, you got two. 
Uh, we more or less agreed on Racerhead, and you got two very different impressions yeah, of Knocked that's Up. All right. I encourage you, uh, listeners, go rewatch Knocked Up. Uh, and be honest about your impressions of it, it and like, tell us it's pretty because fun. guess it's what? Good. It's good. We are now throwing it over to you. Yeah. Be honest. To you. Be honest. Knocked up our racer head. You're going to decide. There'll be a poll on Twitter at Weekend Bergman. Go to at Weekend Bergman on Twitter. There will be a poll. You will decide which movie goes in the can and which goes in the trash can. There's no purgatory option for this one, baby, because we already had our we already <laughs> met our quarterly quota of purgatory movies. Pee wee. We're coming That's back exciting. to you. This is very exciting. Wait, in the meantime, can we watch Pee Wee? Or is it in the, I don't think you can watch it while no, it's no, in Purgatory. No, no. You can't no, watch you, it while you it's in Purgatory. You watch it when it comes up again on the that's podcast. Because okay. right now it's still in the trash can. That's right, that's right, that's right. Well, oh, it's, oh, it's, it's in Purgatory. purgatory. Oh, I but hear you. But you can't yeah, watch yeah, it while yeah, it's in Purgatory. No, 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 no. And then when it comes back up, we'll watch it no, no, again. No, 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 so we have at least one more screening. And also, send us your Pee Wee pairings. And I want fucking yeah. be brutal. Be I want to clash with the Titans or we're not doing it. That's right. All right, I'm excited for that. All right, thanks all. Thanks, folks. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit Forever Dog